0: Hello, everyone. This is the Raise Your Voice Podcast as part of the D Rays Bay Podcast Network. I am your host, Brett Rutherford, and we are talking about the Major League Baseball Draft uh, and specifically the Rays first round pick, right-handed pitcher, uh, Nick Bitsko out of Central Bucks East High School in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, and went number 24 overall to the Rays. It was originally going to be a 2020, 2021 uh, class, but reclassified back in January before. He realized that he was not going to have a senior season. And Joining me on today's episode is, once again, you guys might be getting sick of him from hearing him on this show and on the hit show, uh, is Danny Russell. Danny, what's up?
1: And I, I just couldn't help but start clapping thinking about Nick Bitsko coming to Tampa Bay.
0: Ooh. I mean, looking at this kid's stuff, and, and this is a guy that some of the early mocks and prospect rankings for 2021 had him as the top prospect in the draft. And that has to make any Rays fan excited. Uh, there, there is a bit of – it is a gamble, but, I mean, any draft pick is a gamble. To take a 17-year-old with your first-round pick, I'm not the, necessarily the biggest fan of high school pitchers in the first round, but, but we're going to talk a lot about that. And I think overall Rays fans have to be excited with this guy, get a chance to hear him talk to the media. He, he seems like, for a 17-year-old, a young man that's got his head on his shoulders and is ready to pitch in the pros. But but Danny, when the Rays were on the clock, you, you saw who was available. Lots of talent when the Rays got their chance to pick because early in the draft, um, not a lot of unexpected stuff happened. So the uh, was the Orioles went with Heston Kierstad and the Marlins went with Max Meyer. When almost every mock had him taking Austin Martin and Asa Lacey, mm-hmm. respectively, that kind of threw every mock and, and every projection out the window, and that carried on until the Rays picked. But were, were there any other players that you thought the Rays might take a look at at 24? Or, or was Bitsko not really a surprise to you when it, when it came to the Rays' turn to pick?
1: Right. It, it really depends on how the draft shakes out. Because there's moments where players do not get taken when you expect them to. Like Asa Lacy, who falls to the Royals at number four, is a great example. I would have expected him to go number two if I were drafting maybe even number one. That dude is an incredible pitcher. He drops to four. So you never really know what's going to happen in a draft. And thinking about 24, I didn't dream that the Rays would be in this position to pick up Bitsko because it's very similar to 2018 when Matthew Liebertor fell to the Rays all the way down at 16. It was the player who was expected to go much higher in the draft uh, and kind of tumbled in. Teams weren't really prepared and hadn't done their homework and – Uh, This is a very similar situation, but many more picks later. It is unfathomable that a player of this caliber and this quality, if he had stayed in the 2021 draft, honestly, uh, if he didn't go 1-1 because high school, it's inherently risky. Now we're talking about Mackenzie Gore falling down to 24 in the draft instead. It's a very odd thing to see uh, a pitcher who looks like and has the profile as a 17-year-old as a true front of the rotation starter, falling all the way to 24, probably because teams hadn't done their homework. So looking back at the draft, though, yeah, there's a lot of question marks about how things shook out. Um, There were moments where – and R.J. Anderson for CBS News and CBS Sports, I should say, uh, had written that some teams were thinking about punting a little bit on this draft or, or going under slot here and there to try to make things work out. Uh, It makes you wonder how teams are going to spread their money around, and we'll find that out as time goes by. Uh, The Red Sox taking Nick York (laughs) at 17 is uh, baffling. Uh, Maybe it's Hein Bloom who had the second-base obsession. Maybe it's not. Uh, And he took that with him to Boston, but there's odd things. The Cubs taking Ed Howard at 16. Uh, The Angels – uh, took Detmers. There was some concern. Maybe they were the one of the teams that were talking about punting. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Nick Gonzalez that the Pirates took up at seven. Uh, although I know some publications saw him as a five uh, on MLB.com. They thought he was the fifth best prospect or at least top five. Uh, all the way up at the second pick, Kirstad. I mean. Uh, who? <laughs> no, uh, I didn't expect that out of the Orioles. So. I don't
0: know how you can leave Austin Martin out there for another team to take when he's right there in your lap. I don't think Kerstad's a bad pick, but Austin Martin, for my money, was the best pl- position player in this draft. I'm a, I'm a big Lacey. Right. If myself, you're going to but... go position player,
1: if you're going to go position player, Torkelson, okay. He went number one overall. That's just set that aside. Yeah. The next tier of position players starts with Austin Martin clear in away. if you're not going to take a picture, if you're not going to take Lacey, you'd take Martin. And the Marlins, who picked between, <laughs> both of those guys, took Meyer. I love it. We could dive into all the other teams and what they did. Uh, talk about the Rays at 24, my fingers were crossed for uh, Cade Cavalli. He actually went at 22. So in my mock draft, I had mocked him to the Rays, uh, an Oklahoma pitcher. He ended up going to the Nationals up at 22. That's fine. Uh, Nick Bitsko being available, though, at this point, as Brad said on the Mo. ML- uh, MLB draft preview that you guys did at the beginning of the week <laughs> should, <laughs> should not, not fall to the Rays. Right. But
0: I, there still is though, you you look at Bitsko, and I, I think the Rays will be fine. I think he'll be a fine pitcher. He'll be a fine player but you're talking about a kid who has only pitched in his freshman and sophomore years of high school. This was supposed to be his junior season turned out to be a senior season, but it never happened. Their season never got underway up in Pennsylvania. And so to look at a kid's body of work and only having seen him for two high school seasons, and I know there's some other, you know, showcase stuff in the summertime that he was able to participate in, but you know, there were other players out there that were safer picks and, as a fan, oh, you, don't sure. necessarily, you don't necessarily want your team to go for the safe pick. But you had guys like, I mean, I, mean, I was just looking at the rest of the draft board, even some guys Ooh. that fell into the, uh, the comp round and on day two. Dylan Dingler, a catcher out of Ohio State. Now, you could debate. Well, even play before play.
1: Dingler, uh, the Athletics were able to step in at 26 and take Soderstrom, uh, right. who, if you were going to take a catcher and you didn't like Dingler, that's another excellent option. That's a high school catcher. Drew Romo uh, as well. Is a quality prospect. Absolutely. Uh, Wilcox. There's a couple names out there too where uh, maybe they were a little bit expensive and you wondered if teams could reverse instead of punting going all in on that first pick, which the Rays might have done, to be honest. Um, yeah. because It could be that Bisco's price was a little high. Um, there were some rumblings out there that Baltimore uh, was betting that Bisco's number was too high and when he fell all the way down to the 30th overall pick, the first pick of the second or that mini round after the first round, the comp. Uh, competitive balance pick. Point being, the Rays got their man. Uh, I, I think this is a really savvy pick. I know that uh, he was the mystery man, quote unquote, as Kylie McDaniel wrote for ESPN of the draft, but the Rays were in on Bitsco for a long time. They got wind of him as a freshman and they scattered him heavily as a sophomore. So it's not as if that Bitsco was a complete unknown. He was the player of the year for his state and all of Pennsylvania as a sophomore so it's not like this was an unknown quantity but a lot of mlb teams had already bet that they would be able to see his junior season so when he declared uh to move his uh, his his draft window up a year early that's when teams scrambled and covid19 shipwrecked it so the Rays did their homework early and they benefit
0: i i definitely enjoyed kylie mcdaniel's coverage on espn because the entire the entire over the Two nights, he was giving the Rays so much love, especially for this Bitsco pick. And so many people in the industry were saying, and you hear this a lot with the Rays, this was such a Rays blank. And, you know, this was such a Rays draft pick going ahead and taking Bitsko in the first round, number 24 overall. And, and McDaniel was really loving. I think Jeff Passan gave it some love on the broadcast as well. But Bitsco stock is, you know, it was already high, but it started to get even higher as you started to see. You know, Kylie McDaniel put out a piece on ESPN uh, about how good this, this kid was after they uh, obtained some of the Rapsodo data that showed the spin rate on his fastball. He was hitting 98.5 miles an hour. As a 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, that's an elite-level fastball already with the spin rate that he was getting on it. But but talk the spin efficiency, that, uh, yeah. David
1: Schoenfield at ESPN kind of drew comps for uh, the spin rates that we are aware of uh, from the Rapsodo metrics that uh, the player himself, Bitsko, was putting on social media. And is Rapsodo exactly the same as some of the stuff that teams have? Not exactly, but it's close, right? And so Schofield said that uh, that fastball is a Justin Verlander fastball in terms of spin. (laughs) But then the curveball, which is fantastic, is the Chris Paddock curveball. And then he even went as far to say that uh, Luis Castillo's slider and Pitsko's slider have some comps as well. And, I mean, I'm not going to make that bold of a statement, but – if ESPN wants to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let them. I mean this. <laughs> I mean, to have three major league comps on your pitches at 17 years old with the velocity, with the athletic frame that it already has, I mean, some of the teams were concerned, and I even was able to talk some uh with some people in other front offices, kind of getting a feel. People were worried that it's too good to be true. People were <laughs> concerned that. There's no way this kid is, (laughs) he's like already maxed out on the video game settings. Right. Where are you going to go? You're 17 years old. Spin rate, velocity, frame, age, 17. It doesn't make sense. It's really unfathomable. But as you said, having a good head on your shoulders, having a professional mindset. He moved up a year and graduated early because he wants to get that professional development underway. And I certainly didn't have that mindset at 17. (laughs) <laughs> I was trying to figure out how to slack off of my classes, not <laughs> So, uh, I'm I'm in awe of his uh, uh, professionalism and his desire to get going. And so, I don't think it's a flight risk. I think he's definitely going to sign with the Rays, and it's going to be fun.
0: Yeah, for for sure. And going back to the pitches, the these are three very distinct pitches. You've got the mid to upper nineties fastball, then you've got the mid eighties slider, and then the mid to high seventies curveball. I mean, to have. These three in the curveballs are almost a true 12 6. So to have these three distinct advanced pitches at 17 years old, it does sound too good to be true. Uh, but, but let's hope it's not for the Rays' sake. Um, talking more about Bitsco, and mm-hmm. you and the rest of the media got a chance to, to talk to him a little bit um, when the night he was drafted. And like I mentioned earlier, he seems like he's got a good head on his shoulders. We're going to play that audio here in just a little bit. Um, but, but talk to me what it was like in, in, in that first interaction for a 17 year old. Like that's, that's in, literally, I know he turns 18 in a week, but he's a junior. He should be a junior in high school right now.
1: Well, that's another one of the pieces too. Uh, Cause teams got a chance to talk to him and some of the national writers got to talk to him as well. Like uh, Kylie McDaniel, who said he has dazzling zoom interviews in his write-up. and you're like, okay, what? And then you actually get on a call with him. And yeah, he's a baseball guy. Even though he's 17 years old, you'd have no idea that you're not sitting across from someone that's in a clubhouse right now. He's got the right mentality. He's able to speak clearly about the game, his passion for the game shows and uh, his professionalism shows even in just a a casual interview. And so it was really great just to see what his mindset was like because some guys, uh, they get drafted or they're prospects in a farm system and you talk to them and they're just kind of holding on. They're along for the ride. It's a little bit dear in the headlights. Uh, Joe Madden has talked about that before uh, back in the day. He would go through the five stages of a baseball player, right? Uh, just happy to be here is a stage. And he's beyond that already at 17. So it, it was really great to hear from him. He had some very thoughtful responses.
0: And, and Danny, you got a chance to ask him on this Zoom call about, you know, using that Rapsodo data and using the, these advanced analytics to – evaluate himself as a pitcher not you know obviously other teams, you know major league teams are using that stuff but how he's evaluating himself and he pretty much said that if things had gone as planned this year if there were no pandemic if COVID-19 didn't exist and they played a full season he doesn't think that these numbers would have come about and in in that you know no one's going to install a track man you know at his high school field but how important is that for a guy like Bitsko for these numbers to have come about?
1: Right, I think it's him already understanding uh, the next phase of his career. When you're able to set school aside and start working as a professional and working out as a professional, there's a, just, there's a completely different approach to your game. Uh, the same is true from going college into a professional environment. And so he's already working out in bullpen sessions with technology, learning how to dial it up, maybe even learning how to change the grip a little bit, learning how to manipulate the spin a little bit, Uh, It's the elite prospects we even get uh, a glimpse of that. But he, due to the pandemic, got a long time (laughs) to already get to work and then got to share, obviously, the best of the best numbers online. Um, Such a unique draft. This is obviously the first draft where pitchers are really starting to post their own metrics online to kind of drive their own stock up. And we saw that throughout the draft as other teams took some players who uh, maybe wasn't on a top 500, but then he posts on Twitter him throwing a 105 mile an hour fastball. Really, you, you might get drafted. So uh, he's certainly not the only beneficiary of using Twitter to up his own draft stock, but he's definitely the the guy from the first round of the draft.
0: Yeah, and, and the other thing that I think you know, you know I enjoyed uh, his perspective on it is that he wants to continue using analytics and continue to improve himself as a pitcher, but that he really wants to focus on using them in the offseason. And when it's time to pitch, when it's time to pitch every fifth day or whenever he is pitching, focus on getting guys out. And then, you know, re, you know reevaluate at the end of the offseason. What can I work on? What can I get better when I come to camp next year? I think that's something that maybe people that aren't as keen to buying into these advanced metrics uh, might appreciate, that he's still using them, but when it comes time to pitch, He's ready to get guys out uh, when he can. And, and, and I think he's a real, really likable guy. We're going to hear a quick word uh, from our sponsors and then play that Nick Bitsko audio for you guys. And then Danny and I will be right back after that.
2: This is uh, Josh Tolentino uh, from The Athletic Man. Uh, first off, congratulations. And, um, you know, looking forward to best, best of luck to you. Uh you just kind of describe the emotions of the night? Uh, just yeah. give a an overview uh, of uh, what it went like for you. Yes, obviously, I mean, it's a, I guess, a, a big moment in my uh, in my life, obviously, you know. I guess I have kids, kids are getting drafted one day, obviously, you know, it's a super exciting time, obviously, I'm a little bit of nerves going into it, obviously, with the whole uh, thing. But, you know, I, I think it is a great organization, obviously, that picked me with Tampa Bay, and I think it will be on very road. We'll see what happens. Hey, Nick, can you – this is Mark Chopkin with Tampa Bay Times. Can you explain the thought process on moving up in the draft and, and how your plan uh, – what your plan was and now if you think it worked out or not? Yeah, so obviously the whole reclassification thing, it was more of a, a – from a developmental standpoint. Um, it wasn't just to get drafted or anything like that or go to school. It was more to uh, further my career. Obviously, I thought I was ready uh, after this last summer of doing the whole summer circuit and everything. And, uh, I think I made the right decision overall to advance my career, I guess, and get to the next level and get to play against better competition wherever I go. And I think that was the best decision I made. So. So you you would have graduated, or you will graduate now in this this summer here now. Yeah. So I will graduate uh, on Friday. Our our high school is a little behind most schools down south. So we were we're officially kind of done now. We're doing the online classes. So, um, yeah. So, you basically played as freshman and sophomore, just to clarify. Correct, yeah. So, I didn't have a junior season. We were about to play right before everything got shut down. I think we had a scrimmage that day, on March 12th, I think was the day. And, yes, yeah, so I only played freshman and sophomore year. Cool. Thank you. Hey, Nick, uh, Justin Granit from CBS Tampa. Congratulations. With the pandemic and the cancellation of your season, did you get nervous? Maybe what was going through your mind as the season was canceled? No, you only had two seasons to prove what you could do before being drafted, potentially. Yeah, so obviously I mean, it, was, it was a big disappointment. I think just from playing baseball standpoint, I was really looking forward to go out and play with my teammates on my high school team and get one last run with them. But obviously with the whole pandemic thing and the lockdown and everything, obviously I, I canceled the plan and stuff like that. I think I try to always look at the positive of everything. I think without this pandemic, I would never have got to just dive into the analytical part of the game with my bullpens and stuff like that, using the rap or anything like that. But um, obviously you know, I, I just try to control what you can control. And I try to make the best out of the situation having – I guess another three months of an off-season almost. That's how I kind of looked at it. and Just kind of kept getting better and staying on the same progressions down the path. That uh, You talked about the analytics. Was this the first time over these past two months that you've exposed to that? Have like, with uh, experimented with Rapsodder before? Yeah, I've never really, I guess, dove into it. I mean, obviously, I've known about it just from watching baseball and paying attention baseball in my lifetime but obviously I don't think I've ever like I guess taken advantage of it and that's one of the reasons of the reclassification was to take advantage of the resources at the next level with Tampa Bay Rays or if it was at Virginia I think either level would be perfect for me but obviously we'll see what happens but I look forward to I guess advancing my repertoire from that standpoint.
0: Nick, it's Steve Carney with Sports Radio 95.3 WDA. I'm curious, with all of the uh, Rapsodo and Driveline, what was the, what was the I guess, the, the most uh, interesting thing that you learned about yourself through all the, through all the analytics?
2: I, I think it was a combination of, I guess, how good my stuff actually was. I mean, not to be, I guess, overconfident, but I think I never really got to look at it from an analytical standpoint and actually break down the numbers and compare myself to big leaguers now or whatever, but I think, I think it was understanding I can make an adjustment really quickly, with my curveball or up the spin efficiency or creating more vertical break. I think it was a good learning curve to kind of figure out, uh, like, you know, what I actually have to do and how can I go about things and going through, I guess, not failure, but kind of the process of working on it better as I go along. Hey, Nick, it's Juan review of MLB.com. Well, how familiar are you with the Rays and what was kind of the conversation like during the whole draft process with Eric or Rob or any of those guys here in Tampa Bay? Yeah, so we actually didn't have a lot of, I want to say, communication before the draft and everything. And obviously, I, I know about them as a, I guess, a developmental standpoint. They're one of the best in the big leagues, I think, uh, from pitching-wise or hitting-wise. I mean, obviously, they always have these top pitcher prospects, top hitting prospects from the other organization. I think it's a, a great organization to go to, especially for me as a young pitcher. I think they give me time to develop and stuff like that and having the right people around me to, Guide me and keep me on the right path and help me continue to develop and get the best pitcher I can be uh, eventually. Um, but I think we never really had, I guess, the biggest contact with them. I think we had maybe one meeting, obviously, with the whole shutdown, and we had a Zoom call, obviously. And then we got, we got to meet any of the top guys, I guess, some of the area scouts and some of the uh, higher ups. But I mean, it wasn't like we were in conversation. They're regarded as probably the best farm system in baseball. How does a feel kind of jump into that into that group yourselves? Oh, it's awesome. I think it'll be fun to learn from the, the, the players there now and the coaches and everything. I think it would be a great uh, environment for me to learn and grow as a pitcher or as a, as a baseball player and just learn, uh, I guess, go about the pro ball lifestyle, I guess you could say, and, you yeah, I mean, keep developing myself that way.
1: Nick, it's uh, Neil with the Race Radio Network. How big was the the party or group that you had with you when you got that call? And what was the reaction of
2: uh, the family and family you had with you? Yes, yeah, so we had about 15 people here, just a lot of my close friends and then a couple of my, my coach and a couple of my trainers that I've been working with for the past few years. I just felt like it was the – I guess the right moment for them to be here because they've helped me along and supported me throughout this whole journey of my career and obviously they're they're over the moon you know i mean they're always excited for everything you know they're always showing me every mock draft before it even comes out or whatever it is on twitter or whatever it's always following that kind of stuff so they're uh they're really excited i think i think they're over the moon, I would say. and Nick, what picture do you model your game after i wouldn't say I've ever i guess taken in a, a try Anybody um, on the mound, but I guess I compare myself to a Verlander or a Scherzer or Strasburg kind of type. a big, powerful pitcher that obviously know, comes after you with his stuff. I'm not going to be a touch and feel kind of guy. I'm just going to attack the hitter and just go after My biggest uh, game plan just keep throwing strikes down the zone. Hey, Nick, it's Mark Topkin again. What? Uh, how do you view uh, the decision process? I mean, it sounds like you're pretty aware of how this works and what the slot value is and things like that. What will be the ultimate decision for you? I don't know. I guess we have to go to I guess, talks in these next few weeks. I'm not sure how it's going to work with all the stuff because usually you get blown out and do the physical and stuff like that, so I, I don't really know about that kind of stuff yet. But I guess we'll just go from here, and I'm just going to enjoy the night for right now, and then we'll, we'll, we'll get back. I guess discussion, talks, and decision making next few weeks, I guess. Thank you.
1: This is Danny Russell from SB Nation. Congrats on what they said. Do you think showing the to social media improved your draft position? Good question, actually.
2: Um, I would say a little bit. I think showing those numbers, I think even without, even if we had a season, I don't think anybody would have got those numbers interesting point to me because I think obviously I don't think anybody's putting a track man up at my high school field or anything like that I'm putting a box on the, on the field so I don't think anybody would have seen those numbers before I got in the pro bar went to Virginia so I think from that standpoint yeah I think it might have help me a little bit and I think good that um, I had advanced stuff other than just oh here's velo or here's a break on the ball here's actually like analytic that proves that this is actually a league.
0: Hey Nick this is a
2: this is Mark Narducci. It's all up um, just your
1: thought, I'm sorry, I joined, the, I joined the conference late. Were you surprised at Tampa Bay and just the reaction to be uh, selected by them?
2: Um, yeah, I guess I was a little bit surprised, but I think it was an exciting moment. I think it's a great organization to be in. Um, I mean, I guess I'm, I'd be surprised anywhere I got picked, I guess. I mean, I think it's just a big moment for myself and my family. I think it's a... It's a moment every, dream is, every kid has dreamed of. I guess. Hey, Nick, it's Josh again. Following up on where you've been training over the past few months, it's named the Factory. Is it literally a, a factory? Can you just give a little bit more description of the facility and uh, everything that you've been doing there? Yeah, so unfortunately the place I usually train at, trained at was closed down because of the pandemic because it's more of a, I guess, a public gym type of space. But the place that I was training at for the last three months now, um, was a kind of more of a private gym. So only like five people ever really go in there and it's mostly just baseball guys. So we were able to go in there and kind of keep COVID, re- you know, I mean, the restrictions and everything, kind of keep that intact and you know, you're not having to spread the virus and everything. So, but yeah, that's a really awesome gym, the place I've been at for the last uh, few months and uh, I mean, they have everything in their soda track, man, Edgertonic cameras. We didn't set it up or anything because I thought I was going to break the thing. So I was like, I'm just going to leave it alone. Um, but yeah, that place is awesome. I think it's a, it's a great little gym. I mean, to get your work in whenever you need to, and it's the honor there is great as well. He's been really uh, understanding of the whole situation, letting me get my work in and get my routine done and stuff like that. Hey Nick, it's Chris Trinkle with Baseball America. Now that you've you know been started working more with analytics, how much do you expect to really put that into your regular routine once baseball starts going again? Yeah, so I think analytics will be, I guess, a bigger part of my game going forward. I don't think I'll rely on it as much in season. I think it's more like, oh, hey, am I getting guys out in season? I guess from adjustment, uh, basement or basis, I guess I want to say. Um, obviously, I think in the off season, hey, maybe my curveball dropped off a little bit at the end of the season. Hey, maybe need to make some adjustments going in next year or something like that. But hey, if I throw a perfect game and my fastball sucked in the game, like I'm not really going to change it. Like, okay, hitters miss it. Like from that standpoint, so it's like I, I think. Analytics will be a bigger part, and I guess the off-season of training than in-season making adjustments, big adjustments at least in-season. Maybe, hey, your curveball just, you know, take off a little velo or try to add a little velo, maybe two little adjustments like that in-season, but nothing like grip-wise or, you know, I mean, from that standpoint.
0: And it was great to hear from Ray's first-round pick, Nick Bitsko. Danny, where can readers find, uh, find more about Nick on the site?
1: Yeah, we actually have three articles that covered Nick Bitsko this week. So once he was drafted, Scott put together a collection of uh, articles that had uh, via hyperlink, his scouting reports and uh, Kylie McDaniel's pieces in there. There's video of the race selection uh, 24 overall. It's the initial uh, reaction story, race select Nick Bitsko. So you can find that on the site from Scott. And then I follow that up with two different articles. One just gauging the industry's reaction to the Bitsco pick, uh, which was extremely positive. So collecting uh, what all of uh, the national reviews were from Fangraphs, from Baseball America, from ESPN, multiple from ESPN that pumped about it. And then there's also one other uh, video roundup where it's a lot of Twitter videos. So you do gotta have to do some clicking through, but it, there's a lot of really great uh, footage of Bitsco, even though he was the mystery man of the draft, it does exist you can see that curveball drop and it's good stuff. So you can find that on the site.
0: Yeah, there, there is some good stuff in the video. And, and for those of you that are just now getting into the draft, I think it's a really great opportunity, even though we're not very happy about how much it was shortened. It does make it a little bit easier to to follow the draft class. And we'll be back to talk about the rest of the race, 2020 draft class. And joined again by Danny, to talk about the rest of the rounds. I know this was a, a Bitsco centric episode, but uh, let's be real. He deserves it. So, uh, That is going to do it for this episode of Raise Your Voice as part of the D-Rays Bay Podcast Network. Thank you to Danny Russell for hopping on once again. You can find this podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. If you subscribe, new episodes will be downloaded directly to your device as well as new episodes of The Hit Show. And I'll talk to you guys next time.